Okay, I'm reading from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labour in vain. Even if I am poured out as a, as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Can you all hear me okay? Yes. Right. Um, four points today, and you're all good at remembering those points, aren't you? The first one is, we work out our salvation, which is what God has already given us freely. In other words, we work out what we already have. Point two is, God is the one who does the work of that, and he gives us the desire for that to happen. Point three, this salvation works out chiefly in the community of the church. And point four, this is a serious issue. Okay, so we finished with the serious issue. How about that? This is serious. So I'm going to pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. And I pray that as we uh, meditate on it today, as we think through and the thoughts that you've given me, I pray that they may be to us uh, life and nourishment in your power, in your strength. And I pray that you would minister to us and bring us your words of life yet again. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to go back over quickly what we did last week. Last week we did the the first half of uh, the chapter of Philippians and we heard about the great obedience and humility of Jesus who gave up his life, who served rather than be served. And we heard this, Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now we heard that this was the nature of Jesus. And then what we found in that is that Paul said, because of Jesus being like that, you should, uh, this is also back to verse 2, <coughs> being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So the the guts of that was, if you remember, this is what Jesus was like, the most humble of, uh, of people to ever live, even though he could have demanded all glory, he served us to the point of death on a cross. So therefore, he's saying, you, Christians, do nothing out of selfish ambition. 
In humility, consider others more significant than yourself. Each of you look to his own interests. Uh, no, each of you look to the interests of others. Just checking if he was awake. Okay. And we said last week that this is uh, happens in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit who is changing and shaping and modelling us into the image of Christ. And so we go on with a therefore in verse 12, <coughs> which means this is linked to what's gone before. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now so, sorry, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. I missed that line. Okay, which is the first point. We work out what God has freely given us. But I'll just, not just notice this though. Paul starts with beloved. He loves the saints at Philippi. The relationship he had is not kind of, a, of an overbearing uh, uh, leader. He loves the people in the church. They are brothers and sisters. They are friends in Christ. That's the heart of the church. That's a miracle of the church, that people can love each other and delight in each other. He says, just as I obeyed, as you obeyed when I was with you, and, and you continued to obey when, I, obey when I left, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if anybody has read Paul, you would know that Paul is definitely not saying earn your salvation by work. It's really clear in Paul that that's not what he ever says, isn't it? I don't have to justify that. It's there throughout Paul. For, you've been, for it is by grace you have been saved, not by works. That's what he says. Okay, so he's not meaning in that <coughs> that you work for your salvation. Salvation is a free gift and it comes from God completely. He has forgiven all our sins. He has given us his perfect righteousness. So what he's saying is this. Seek to work out that salvation in every part of your life. Seek that to see what he has done and the character of Christ and you've been given the mind of Christ, put that into action in all that you are and all that you do. Now, you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying, he's not saying work to be a Christian. He's saying, I've made you a Christian and now you'll work in that. It's like this. This is my example for the day. If you use uh, marriage, imagine this. I mean, just say this. Firstly, marriage is great joy. It's not just a badge you wear, right? Imagine you get married and you go, I'm married, right? Um, that's it. You don't have to do anything more, do you? It's, it's easy peasy. You've been, you've been through the church service. Maybe you've even been on the honeymoon. That's the end of the, that's the, end of the work. Yep. If, just imagine that. You said that the day after you're married. I've got it down pat now. I understand everything. I fully understand how this man or woman works that I'm married to. It's all easy street from here. 
No, marriage is a great joy, but it's a growing joy. It's a working joy. You talk, you live, you grow together, you love, you spend time together. You work out the marriage that's already a marriage to begin with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So, in, 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 um, in that way, as we, we have been saved, we then work out that salvation and we grow in it and we see at, at some point in our life we find out that the work we do, just say you're not a pastor, uh, the work you do actually is part of God's work for you and that every part of that work is part of your worship, not just that you sing a, sing a Hillsong song if you're working, but that actually, Jack, while you're building and you're nailing things together, you don't use a hammer to nail, do you? While you're nailing things together, that you're actually serving God in your life. That every part of your children raising, uh, every part of, again, marriage, and whatever else that you do when you buy a car, when you fix that car, when you raise your dogs, as we find out a lot about it in the last couple of days with us, all of that is part of working out your salvation. You think, well, what's God got to do with that? Well, actually, God's got to do with every part of your life. Does that make sense? He is part of every part of your life. See how God's salvation works out in every part of your life and, and work in that because he has saved you. Now, what I'm saying here is we're not just saying he's the centre of your life. He is definitely the centre of your life. But you see, see how his salvation works out in every part of your life. What Jesus is like. You see, it's the example he used last week. Here is Jesus who is humble and he humbled himself to death on a cross. So you be likewise. Work out your salvation in every aspect of your life. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, uh, it's important that we know, though, I'll just repeat it again. You have been saved. That is a gift of God. You go on to walk in that with all of the effort and all of the work that you have. Sorry, the Greek word, you might be interested to know, the Greek word for work is ergon, from where we get the word power poles. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, ergon quite simply means effort, work. That's what it means. Uh, that, that's, uh, we put effort into what God has already done. Okay, so that's our point one. God has given us a free gift and we work with all our hearts in that. Point two, it's not actually us that's doing it, it's God that's doing it. He's doing this work and he even gives us a desire for this work because he said that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, we are working in accordance with the work that he's done and is doing. Okay, he didn't just save us from our sin and then said, okay, here you are, you're done. He didn't just save us from our sin and then say, okay, now you've got to do the rest, keep yourself perfect, I've made you perfect. No, he saved us from our sin and he continues to work on us. 
and in us and through us. But that's his ongoing work. People call it sanctification. Often, though, when we hear the word sanctification, people have this idea where they go, God justifies us and then we sanctify ourselves. Sanctification is the work we do. Undoubtedly, we are working in it, but it is his work. Next time you find the word sanctification in your Bible, have a look who's doing it. You'll find that it's God who does the sanctification. Does that make sense? It's his work, and yet there's no doubt that he includes us in that. Another verse, uh, it says something like this, He has done a good work in you, who began a good work in you, will carry it through to completion. Or, he is the author and perfecter of your faith. In other words, he saved you and he will go on working out his salvation in your life. That's good news, isn't it? You don't got to push the wheelbarrow yourself. God both saves you and he goes on keeping you. It's good news if you're a sinner like me, where you think, oh, I might just have outdone God's grace today. And you haven't, because he's the one who's doing the work in you. It is God who works in you both to will, in other words, he gives you <coughs> the desire, and he is God who works for his good pleasure. See, Another way of, it's probably, it's taking you off on a tangent. But you imagine that God says, I've got my clay, which is, put your name here. And he puts it on the pottery wheel and he's got in mind what he's building. There you are, you're saved. You're there. Might be a bit messy at the start. And then he starts working on you and he starts shaping you day by day. He's shaping you into what? Well, what he wants you to be, isn't he? But from the moment that he puts you, from the moment the lump hits the wheel, if that's not derogatory, you've been a masterpiece in his mind. And he is working on you. Isn't that good? He's taking you somewhere. It's his work. But of course... It's fully our work too, isn't it? We are absolutely involved in that. We all know that we can fight against God. We said that last week. When the Holy Spirit gives you a desire to love somebody and you don't, we know what that's like, don't we? We're good at it. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit or something like that. So you don't fight against God as he's working in you. You walk with him. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Make every effort, says Peter, to live in accordance with the salvation that he's given you. So, point one. We work in the salvation that God's already given us. Point two, he is the one who's at work behind this and he's the one who gives us the desire for this to happen. Point three, and you might wonder how this comes, but point three is that this happens in the church. It happens like that because, you see, what Paul has been saying all through the letter of Philippians is about the community of believers. Salvation, we might think, if God, it's good that God's working on me, and we say things like our personal holiness. Salvation is mine. It's all about me, my character, my individual salvation. But then did you notice he he goes on 
uh, and says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. That's relational, isn't it? Actually, when it says, work out your salvation with uh, fear and trembling, or work out for yourselves your salvation, the Greek word there is plural. It's not talking just about me. It's talking about within the body, within the community. Because yeah, uh, grumbling and whinging is a community thing, isn't it? Yeah? I don't know if you've ever noticed that you can be having a happy time and if one person starts whinging, it kind of... It kind of catches quicker than COVID. If one person starts gossiping, everybody's gossiping. Yeah? It, it, it's like that. It's a community thing. You see, and again, if you read 1 Peter, he, he, he on, over and over says, you know, as Christ was, so are you. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. Right? And then what does he say? You too be like that. Take on the nature of Christ. In other words, work out your salvation. Here is your salvation. This is what it looks like. Be like that. And the church is actually God's community, but it's his community as an outward expression of his life and grace. In other words, the church is not just a gathering of people to hear a good sermon or for whatever else. that Everybody has their own view of what the church has got to be. But you see, it's where the likeness and image of Christ is worked out together. In other words, the church, is, as a community of believers, displays God's nature and his salvation and the nature of his son more than anywhere else. It's not just an individual thing, I'm saved. It's worked out in community. Do you understand what I'm saying? You want to know where loving relationships are worked out most? In the church, for God's good pleasure. You see, the thought that we could live alone as Christians is is fine. You you know you can be a Christian without going to church. Yeah, 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 whatever. But the whole point of God's community is for the church. That's what it's there for. That's what he's doing. He is building a church, not just as a witness to the world, but as his beloved family, which he is shaping. That's, that's what he's doing. Together, working out their salvation. Does that make sense? You think of it, when, if you just say you had three children, maybe even three daughters, that, that happens to some people. Um, and when they're young, you teach them how to relate to each other, don't you? Don't hit. This morning we heard, go and hug your sister. Yeah? They don't naturally know how to do those things. You've got to teach them. Actually, we actually teach our children to love. Do you know that? People, People who are insecure go, oh, my child won't come and hug me. Well, go and hug them and teach them to hug. Do you understand? You teach them to love because they won't know how to do it. Do you understand? Before we even love God, he teaches us to love him. But it's a corporate action. Okay? And don't speak like that to your mum. We hear that. Don't speak like that to your dad. We tell it, what are we doing? We are teaching our kids relationships. Right. Now think of what Paul is saying here. Here is this church community, this church family, and God has shown his salvation through Christ, and you see what he is like. 
Now live in that towards one for another. One another. Do you get it? That's how we live out our salvation corporately. Our character is built, if you think about not all the fruit of the Spirit, but I just start, start, love. It's relational. You can't sit on your own and love, can you? Yeah? Or have patience. Well, you know, there might be something you're doing that needs patience, but generally it's people who stretch out patience, true? And show kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. You can see they're all relational words. Because as a community, the Holy Spirit is bringing his fruit to bind us together in love. It's not just individual. Okay, it's like a belt and your pants. I've got my belt on and my pants. Did you know this, right? Your belt holds your pants up, true? But those little tags here, they hold your belt up. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah. Right, I've just exposed something there. No, I haven't really, because I've got my belt on. Um, but it's like that with the church. We support each other. We need each other, and that's the way we're made. We're made to need each other, and that's the way God wants us to be in a community. And that looks towards heaven. Does that make sense? When we will all be together in perfect community. That will be the great joy of heaven, is that when the Father will be there with his family, together, as we reflect God, his salvation, the Trinity, the Father who loves the Son and the Son who loves the Father. Understand, the Father who loves the Spirit and the Spirit who loves the Father. What I'm saying is this, what God is like to work out your salvation is to actually think through what God is like and think through what he's done and then to go, how does this work out in my family, in my life, in all that I do and all that I am? Even towards that dog. (laughs) Because we do this in a crooked and perverse generation. That's what he's saying. We live in a world which is full of selfishness and and looking towards itself and all sorts of idolatry and all sorts of sinful lusts and we shine like lights in this world, he says, as we live as Christ. This is how they shall be known their love for one another, that sort of thing. Okay, we do live in a perverse and corrupt world. Is that true? Right. It would be terrible if the church lived just like them, wouldn't it? And uh, it, 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 the, the secular world in the power of the Holy... Uh, so not the, power of the, Holy, the secular world in the power of the devil loves to highlight when any Christian is found to be like the world, don't they? That'll make the news. You've never heard a news, news article about a Christian who's done a good job being a Christ-like, hey? <laughs> but when they fall, yeah. We, we, we are not like the world, though. We work out our salvation, yeah, in a warped and corrupt... He's actually quoting Deuteronomy 32 there and, and, and uh, verse 5 or 6 or somewhere in there. Um, and that's when Moses gave a great speech, but the perverse and crooked generation he was talking about, Moses, was, the, was actually the people of God. Those people have rebelled for the last 40 years. But here Paul's saying, we shine as lights in the world. In other words... 
we actually stand um, as, a, as a example to the world of the nature of God and the nature of Christ. But it's true that there are perverse people at work in the church and in the world. But not so with you. You are God's people, saved at a great cost. Paul says, you are not your own, but you were bought. What were you bought with? The blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus. He died for you. So when he says you are not your own, what he's saying is you've been bought for a reason, that you live out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. And this happens naturally through the body. And the whole whole concept of the body is an example of that, isn't it? Different members, same body, different functions, all requiring each other. You can't do without each other. That's not just stating a fact. That's God's intention for his community. Right. So, we got there. Um, What was point one? We work in what God's already done. Point two, God's doing the work and giving us the desire for that work. Point three, this happens within the community, which is the church, which is God's body. And point four, it's got to be the bit that we may not notice or is a bit jarring in that, in that verse. It says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Did you hear that? Wouldn't you most expect it? Work out your salvation with joy and happiness. Work out your salvation with peace. You know what I'm saying? It's a bit in your face. In the fear of the Lord. This is a serious issue. This is not just something where you go, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. He's saying, if, look, if Christ died for you, this is serious. The Son of God gave up his life for you, then work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, if, if you read the Proverbs, you first hear, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. A bit later on, you hear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, there's other knowledge, but the only knowledge that really counts is the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yep. And wisdom is to live in light of that knowledge. Um, Right. Yep, you tell tell the child... The hot plate is hot, don't touch it. They now have knowledge. If they put that into place through wisdom, they won't touch it. That's wisdom. Wisdom takes the knowledge and applies it. Yep, you have a salvation from God that's come to us through Christ. Now be wise people. Because God's plan for this life and this, his purposes for this creation and his purposes for you and for the church are more important than your own. And we can easily live our lives with a very fickle and selfish attitude and not see that it's actually about God. So fear him. The fear of the Lord is not an Old Testament concept, by the way. It's a whole view of God concept. Old and New Testament. Yep. Jesus said it in the New Testament. Do not fear the one who can kill your body, but fear the one who comes after that. That's fair, isn't it? 
Work out your salvation with fear. Have a serious look at who Christ is and what he's done for you and work that into your life. Yep. John says some very strong statements about love because we are talking about love within the body. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Can you see him saying the same thing there? Here's where we know love, what love is. God sent his only son for us. So therefore you should love one another. Working out your salvation. Yeah? And if you don't love, well, you're obviously not from God. Now, he's not saying, right, now I'm going to go out and try and love people hard to make sure I'm from God. He's just saying this is the fact. When you know God through Jesus, then you will naturally one an- love one another. And if you're not loving one another, then it's not you need to start loving one another. If you're not loving one another, you need to become a Christian. Because you're obviously not one. Does that make sense? So better off repenting and believing or having faith. Turning to God. But in all of this, can you see that this is serious? This call to love one another. It's not just a whatever thing. It's a serious call to forgiveness and to care and to whatever the Holy Spirit is calling you to in your life. Because you know that. He is calling you. If if he's not calling you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You understand? He's calling you to love like Christ who is within you. He's calling you to live in that image. So we make every effort to live in that. Okay, so I'll sum up by saying what I already said. You're God's people, saved at a great cost through Jesus Christ. Therefore, work out that free gift of salvation in your life because God is already doing it through his Holy Spirit in you. Work in that and do this particularly in the body, in the church, but also love everybody, love your enemies too. And this is a serious and fearful calling. So give it some prayer and time and effort or some ergon, some work. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you for the salvation you've freely given us through Jesus. And we want to thank you also that you are constantly working in us, shaping us and moulding us to be the people you want us to be. And we thank you also that you're shaping and moulding your church, the community, And I pray that in light of all this, that we would seriously make every effort to live in accordance with the love and grace and mercy and holiness that you are and that you've shown on us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.